Hey everybody, welcome to the actual first episode of uh, Inside the Firm. Uh, the first one was just a pilot. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Lance Psycho. This is Alex Gore. How's it going? Uh, so Alex has a quick read for us, I think. Yeah, our first sponsor today is uh, Revit Furniture. So if you're transitioning from AutoCAD to Revit, don't do it without the guys at Revit, Revit Furniture. Full disclosure, that is us. Um, so it's more than just furniture or family. What it really is, is optimizing your time and your production by giving you a system. So when you're transitioning, obviously from any program, it's going to be extremely hard and difficult. There's going to be things you don't know, things you don't know, uh, what's available, all that. So as you listen you know, to this podcast, you will see our evolution and why we think that the, um, our template and system is great. Um, so it gives you a template, a system to base base your transition off, gives you families, it gives you tutorials for your whole firm to use, um, teaching you how to make projects, how to make families, all that. Uh, it gives you um, a whole bunch of families to plug in. And then the cool thing that they're offering right now is that your first project that you transition to, they'll actually set it up in Revit for you. So that's going to take away a lot of the uh, hassles and, and kind of get you going. So uh, if you're interested in that, if you're transitioning from Revit Furniture, reach out to RevitFurniture.com. You'll see the information there. Uh, contact us. Um, uh, our email, akg at f9productions.com. So that's that's our first read. So uh, so the last episode, uh, the pilot episode, we, we kind of just gave a o- general overview of who we are, what this podcast is going to be about, uh, the, things we're, the things we'd like to cover, and... Um, a lot of that was basically we're just going to kind of tell the story of how we started and then where we're going from here and, and how the firm operates. Um, just kind of give you guys literally an inside look at the firm, pun intended. Yeah. So what what happened last time is that we, we got laid off. We got laid off from our firms and there was no one hiring whatsoever. So, um, you know, you heard the phrase, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, we had to take the other pro- approach because no one was hiring. So if you can't join them, we had to beat them. And that's what this podcast is about, um, starting your own firm and starting from scratch. So Alex mentioned last time also that he, he got laid off first, and then I subsequently followed. Um, I technically started the firm while Alex was in grad school because he thought, again, it was going to only be about a year recession. And and a funny being, guy. Yeah, hilarious. Ended up being about four or five years. We finally pulled out of it in Colorado in 2013. And so I got laid off in the summer of 2009, and was immediately, you know, we're both seriously dejected, uh, graduated at the top of our class, and then to be able to, to get laid off like that was, was really disheartening. So, but at the end of the day, one, things I, one thing I even tell my kids is it's okay to fail as long as you get up the next day. You know, the, yep. when, when, it's, when it's a bad idea to fail is, is when you don't get up again, right? Yep. So <clears throat> I kind of got on a huge mission, um, namely because I had, I had a family to raise, like feed, I couldn't, I couldn't just stop working and stuff like that. So yeah, what was, so, so I I just got to point out this point. I got laid off first. So I called Lance and told him like, it is coming. It is coming. It is coming and get ready. Winter is coming. That's probably what I said. (laughs) (laughs) So then you still had a job and then you knew this was coming. And that's kind of how you started out was it wasn't, you didn't get laid off and then started it. You started beforehand. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that applies for, for anybody in that kind of a position. I, I really think you 
if you're if you're an intelligent person, if you have any kind of brains, and you're working at any kind of business, you know when people are starting to make up work for you, where it's not really you can tell this whatever work I'm doing, I know it's either not billable or it's just kind of filler work to keep me busy. And it was week after week after week what I was doing. I must not have a brain because when they laid me off, someone mentioned like. You guys had to know we were just making up that work. I was like, no, I thought it was legit. <laughs> so some of the work, some of the work, uh, the, the main, the main catalyst, the, the main um, kind of work that I was doing leading up to getting laid off was I, w- I started to do cold calls, and what I was doing cold calls were was for was going after building product manufacturers at, at the old firm I used to work for, and we were trying to get them on board to put all of their things into Revit. And, and for, for anybody who doesn't know what Revit is, um, it's basically like today's AutoCAD. It's today's version of, of, of drawing and, and, and modeling um, buildings and, and, and building components. So I started, I started doing that and doing cold calls. It was, it was actually pretty uncomfortable. I mean, who goes to architecture school and then gets put in the position where they're doing cold calls and actually trying to get business for the firm. Mm-hmm. So, when I, so in addition to doing that, one of the things, and I mentioned this last time too, was I noticed after using Revit in a in a firm that does a lot of modern buildings that there wasn't modern furniture. And so I went out on my own, went to Hive, HiveModern.com and started making all the modern furniture I could in Revit. And then I started uploading it to TurboSquid. So I was, you know, Alex and I were having these discussions and I ended up putting up, I started putting up so many models. I put up several hundred within like a month or two. And this was leading up to me getting laid off, you know? So then once I got laid off, I had those, I had those models up on TurboSquid. I started getting, I started getting the attention of, um, one of the lead talent developers over there. And then the next day after I got laid off too, I put on, I put up a, uh, an ad for ad to Craigslist that was just for me doing handyman work again. But I, but when I put that ad up, it was, and I wish I, I wish I had that ad, but it was, uh, it was, and maybe I can pull it up here if we, if we hit pause or something like that. But it, it basically explained like I'm, I was a very responsible guy, like really, you know, very normal and straightforward. I think the point you're going for is all the ads we did on Craigslist and all the ones we do now on Thumbtack and all these other things we'll get into is just, I'm responsible. I'm energetic. I'm enthusiastic. I'm willing to, you know, like work and, and do stuff like that. There's, there isn't any kind of magic behind it would you say that or is I don't this think so I don't I don't think there is I don't think there is I think they're honest ads 100 percent yeah and, and they're reassuring and they're they're, re- they're reassuring to people um, to take a chance on us so in that ad I also put that I could do I could obviously do design work and in Colorado you don't have to be a licensed architect to do residential design work so I started to get um, I got a few people in Boulder 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 kind of uh, thank God you know I was in the Boulder area because a lot of people still had cash and they yeah, were able to they were, <laughs> they were able to they were able to still do home home remodel projects and stuff like that. Yep. So I started doing all this handyman work, but then it did start to lead to with the handyman work. There was one guy in particular. His name is Hans, and he hired me to do. So I was doing handyman work I for him. Hans. Yeah, Alex went out to meet him. Uh, I think if you even go back in our blog right now, you can go you can go way back to 2000, 2010 or eleven or something like that, and it shows the final product what I did. It wasn't anything fancy. All we did was we designed kind of a new roof to go over his existing roof so that he could put solar panels on top of it. But that that led me to then start to think about, oh my gosh, I, th- I actually think there's still a fair amount of people 
out there that they're not they might not be building giant houses they might not be building um you know 70 70 apartments or anything but there's still people out there that their families are growing they need more space they're going to have to have small additions and so <clears throat> alex and i came from firms that it was get a big project rely on that big project to sustain the firm for a whole quarter or throughout throughout you know the whole year and our idea, our idea, and the antithesis of that was was um, well, the opposite of that was what if we what if we started running a volume based firm? Yeah, and before we get into that, I kind of want to point out that there's a couple advices on how to start a firm. Um, one of them is agenda based, so it's hey, know yourself and know your client and know what you want to do. I want to do modern work. I want to do historic preservation. I want to do um, cabins. And then know your ideal client and really focus in on that. Um, that's that's a good approach, and some people can actually do that. Uh, we we did not do that because if, if going back to the ad, we didn't have an agenda because who knew what was out there? Um, it was such slim pickings to begin with that it was kind of one come one you know take take everything that you can, and then that was our approach. That's what we had to do. So we had to design a system. How can we take everything that we can? So we essentially realized that there wasn't going to be a bunch of huge, big projects where we could rely on those commissions. We'd have to do a bunch of small commissions. It was uh, during the recession. So um, was this when I, this was when I came down because I think this was my idea. It was my first probably best idea I've ever had to do the volume based. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, to run the ad, the Craigslist ad. No, that was my idea from the beginning. No, no, the fishing ad. Oh yeah, yeah, the fishing ad, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that was this. It was it was the only on, for the record. It was Alex's only good idea. Ever. That's it. I had one. I had one, and I'm I'm happy for it. So th- think about this. Now you're in the recession, or you're starting a firm. What do you know that your competition is like, and what are they doing? Other people have years of experience um, running a business. We did not. And and to put this in context, Lance had kids to feed. Uh, I was out of college with some debt, not as much as other people, and had nothing. There was nothing going on. Well, you know, I even worked for a summer doing landscape work at, who knows, $10, $12 an hour. I have no idea what it was. It wasn't too much. Um, so it was last resort. It was it was do or die time. And that's when we came up with the idea of, okay, we need, we need to pretend that we're a client, put an ad out on Craigslist, and see what people come back to us with. So, so what we did was... Um, and I, I actually would encourage anybody in any business industry to do this. I, I thought it was brilliant because because of how well it worked. We should maybe do an update one. It might not. It might not be bad. It might not be bad. Um, so what we did was we we put an ad out ad on Craigslist pretending we were a client that was going to do a custom cabin in Colorado. And I've actually got the I actually managed to dig up the old spreadsheet um, of all the data that we got from everybody. So it was a twelve. It was a it was a cabin that was twelve hundred and fifty two square feet, and what we asked for was no. You know, we said don't contact us via email or anything. I just respond to this ad with your proposal. It gave us two different things, two different kinds of data, which were which are super valuable. It gave us it was, people would give us a square footage. Some people would give us a per square foot price to design and do the cabin. And these are all architects um, or or just residential designers. And then they also gave us their average hourly rate. So from there. 
we ended well, up. Well, well, I think we we extrapolated that. We didn't ask for that, so they would give us a contract, oh, and their contract would, would basically say a price. So then, what we did is we put this in the spreadsheet, and we probably got how how many responses do did we get, Lance? It looks like we got about fifty. Fifty, and I remember I think within the first three days we got like forty of them. Yeah. So that's how much that's and and one guy even said, um, "I'll beat anyone's price because I'm starving." <laughs> yeah. I remember that email. Yeah. Um, so then we put everyone in a spreadsheet, and then we broke it down um, by square footage price. And then a lot of times at the end of contracts, they'll say, hey, my for additional services, my hourly rate is, is X. So then we could do an average of that, and we could get the average square foot price and the average hourly rate. And the average hourly rate was? $44.60. So we decided- And this was in, this was in uh, 2010. Yep. So we started off, was it at 40 or 45? 40, 40. Yep, at 40. <laughs> you should remind me to talk about bad advice after this. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great story about that. Yeah, some yeah. bad advice. Some really, really bad advice. So don't don't take all advice, even, even ours, right? You have unique situations. Um, and then the other thing that we saw is we, we saw everyone's contract. You want to hit that? No, I want you to get... Oh, he wants eat, me... I want, I want him to eat the mic. Get closer to the mic. You got to hear my voice. Um, we saw everyone's contract, and we got a variety of super big, co- complicated, just craziness to a one-page, one very easily digestible uh, contract to and, to an email that just said, "I'll do it for this price." Yep, and then also, and then also, like to get more detailed, there was also some really good examples of people would either show examples of what you would get at the end, or kind of list out the process. So all of a sudden, we had this huge archive. Of of contracts that we could we could parse out the information yep. we wanted, take away what we don't, include what we do want to, legal jargon included. And and what was great about that is that we could rethink the contract, and we could we, rethink the contract as if we were the client. What would the client want to see? Exactly, exactly. So then, we we basically you know started our own. We had all these ideas in the back of our head, and then we said, okay, let's set up a contract that gives them what we're gonna do what we're going to deliver and what the phases are. So it was a very incremental contract. And it was one of the first things that they would see is that be like, Oh, okay. They're going to do this this week. Then they're going to do this the next week. And then this the next week, you know, and put it together like that. So it was great being that close to the ground, but also in charge at the same time. And this was, I swear. So I've got a date on the spreadsheet that I'm looking at right now, which is April 13th of 2010. I I think it was within a week or two of when you came down. I mean, it was this was like a, one of the very first fundamental things. And and how would you ever even decide to do that? I mean, if you think about anybody who's listening to this who who is actually thinking about doing starting a business or or, or any or has before, no one no one tells you how to start a business. I'm right. sure you you could go you could read all these kind of books you know all different kinds of books you could go to a business school and stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, uh, or or the organic way of doing it like we did yep. is a pretty valid. It's funny. This really brought, brings me back because I remember having that idea and looking over to you and saying like, we should do this. And it, the, the word of caution I would give though is I did try to look up the ad, the original ad that we ran for this. And I couldn't find it <laughs> because I wanted to read it on air. But um, the reason we can't find it, and here's the word of caution is, I think we used like a fake email address. Yeah. So it couldn't get back to us because I don't think we wanted to come out there, you know, and directly show who the heck we were doing it so that we would for sure look like a real client. 
Right, right, right. We wanted to look like a real client. Um, the reason we're you know letting the cat out of the bag is because I think it's important. And then also, you should know, um, in other industries, they share prices. So when you go to an apartment complex, um, those apartment complexes call other apartment complexes in the area and say, hey, what are you renting for? And they tell them because the next week, those other guys call them. And they all, it, I wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, you could, I don't know, is that collusion? Maybe that's collusion. I don't know. And on, on that note, so I, I think what Alex is getting to is like, I bet everybody who's listening to this, is, they're having a moral dilemma. Uh, they might, or not everybody, but some people might sure. be having a moral sure. dilemma of like, is this, is this, a mor- is this okay to do morally? And, and I think, I think it is a hundred percent. Um, because did it cause any harm to anybody? Not really. At the end of the day, just because we set our prices, um, to beat, beat the average price, doesn't mean we were undercutting everybody. Cause if I look at the spreadsheet right now, Jimmy, I'm not joking. That's his, actually his name on the spreadsheet. There's no last name is, was $14 an hour. So our idea at the end of this was we're going to be the middle guys. We're always going to be the middle guys to the average. Yep. Yep. We're always going to be the middle guys. And we're, and that, that helps us build the volume based business. And then we're going to beat the competition through personality, through, uh, through personality and through punctuality. 100%. Yeah. Um, so where do you want to go with this? I kind of wanted to read the original ad. So just in case anybody else is, uh, I just let me give you an, a, just a quick example while Alex gathers his thoughts. Oh, oh. This was, yeah. the, this was the original ad that I ran um, when I got laid off. And I was, and it, it was posted on 2011, uh, in 2009, I think. Yeah. And then, because uh, I got laid off, I think, two days before that. So, <clears throat> so it was, uh, the posting title was Young, Smart, Hardworking Carpenter. I am a young Smart, and then in quotes, master's degree in architecture and hardworking, quotes, plenty of references. Carpenter, painter, architectural designer, looking for work in the Boulder, Longmont area. I have over 11 years of working experience in the construction field, ranging from small residential remodels to building new schools. I also boast a good education with a master's degree in architecture, so intelligence and a solid work ethic is guaranteed. I am open to any work available, so there's no job too small. Whether you are a homeowner in need of extra hand in your latest project or contractor looking for a reliable and hardworking man, please contact me. My going rate is $16 an hour cash for small one or two day jobs. I prefer to, for it to bid on anything larger than that. So I was easily able to maintain our pretty meager lifestyle. My families and I, when, when we got down here just, just off of that, which then allowed me to, allowed me to segue into getting the first set of real work at the firm, which we could probably talk about next, actually. Well, actually, I'm going to go back. Okay. So, obviously, getting work is, a, is almost a precursor to starting a firm. Um, once, once you've already started a, a um, firm, now, now we start side businesses without actually the work because we know. Actually, we know we're going to get it. So, um, But going back to how to start a firm, you need to get work. So when I was in school, my master's in construction management, Julie Snow, who's an amazing architect up in Minnesota, um, I asked her, she came to speak and I go, Hey, how did you, how did you actually start your firm? She goes, Oh, I was working for another big firm. And, uh, one of the clients I was the lead on and I wanted to leave the firm and start my own. So I asked my firm, you know, if I could take this client and they said, yes. So she already had a huge client, you know, that she could already hire a couple people. And I thought, well, that's great for you, but like, Man, that does not for everyone else who can't take a client. <laughs> and even even then, you could you could argue, argue moral dilemma at that point. 
You know, there's, I don't think there's any black and white yeah. about, I don't know how, she, about how you get these initial clients. I think it, you just, at the end yeah. of the day, you, you got to get, you got to build the foundation. And I am giving her the benefit of the doubt that she asked her, her other firm, because I don't know if she said that or not, but we'll just assume that she did. Okay. So getting work is number one. Then number two, which I think people see as an obstacle, but it's really not, not an obstacle. It's registering your firm for the state. Yeah starting a bank account and then getting on a real payroll. Yeah. So getting on an actual payroll, not just paying yourself out. You know, let's say you finish a $5,000 job, you pay yourself the whole 5,000. I'm talking about put the 5,000 in, set a salary aside for yourself and something that is meager that you can just squeak by until you actually get established. Exactly. Exactly. So just to, to reiterate, let's start logically to, to start a firm, you register uh, on your state website, go to, um, do you know what the, what's the Colorado one? So is, most of it is, is secretary of state. Yes. Uh, so North, like I just registered uh, another business up in North Dakota and same thing, secretary of state, Montana. I've had businesses there. Same thing. So if you know, if you just Google secretary of state, like say you're in Connecticut, how to register a firm, yep. Yeah. How, yeah. how to register an S corp and LLC, a trade name, there's usually just two things you have to register. One, one is a register, like a trade name, and that's just what you're going to do business as. Um, and that's a pretty small fee. And then the other, the other it's like one nine is bucks. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like 10 bucks. Yes. And then the S corp is a little bit more than 50. that. And you know, there's an LLC, there's all kinds of different corporations. I think you have to, at this point, it's you on you to sort of decide what you want to do yeah. uh, or what, um, what, how, how deep, the legality will go for you. And we're not here to advise you exactly which, you know, S Corp LLC or anything like that, but it is simple. And, and I think we're supposed to say, if we had a legal advisor that we're supposed to say a disclaimer, go see a legal person, blah, blah, blah. But I want to let you know, that's not what we did. We did not go and pay someone a thousand dollars to set up our business. Go do, we didn't get an accountant. I mean, we have that now. We actually have a, to be, know, to a be completely now. blunt. Yeah. Here's, here's what we did. So we, we, we did the trade name F9 Productions, um, and then what I started it as an LLC first, and then when Alex got here, then we fully incorporated um, to an S corp. And part of that was because I knew that the firm I was at before had an S corp, right? So I bet if you're if you're in another firm or another business, you could and you want to start a similar one, you could basically follow their lead, right? Yep. Hey, one of the guys, we are in a working office, so Jason, can you answer my phone? Or just shut it off. <laughs> That's Al Gore. It's, if his phone isn't dead, it's it's, it's just making noise. Yep. Um, <laughs> so for literally fifty bucks, um, you can start you can start a company. You can yeah. start a company for fifty bucks. It's that easy. Then the second thing is make a dedicated bank account. So like what Lance said, then you put the money that you get in that bank account, and then you just draw a regular salary. And literally, even to this day, Lance and I do not take big salaries. We wait, we try to be meager, and then at the end, if there's a bonus, then we'll, we'll dish it out. But uh, we're still afraid of the recession, afraid of, you know, whatever. So you take a salary, and then at the end, you deal with whatever's left, if anything's left. And what's great about that is that you don't know how, we have an accountant now, and then we have a financial advisor now. And they keep saying, man, it's crazy how many businesses don't do that. And then they try to get a loan, and they can't. Yeah, and you yeah. you never know when you're going to need a loan. Because with the, the tiny houses, everything, like they pop out of nowhere and literally it's get everything done and financed in three months and, and design it and, and build the, it. And you know who I'd really give credit to make, sort of forcing our hand into doing this 
is Sherry Gore, which is Alex's mother. Yeah, Sherry, she, shout out. She did. Uh, she, that was it. Was her right? It was her. She said, "You guys should really put yourself on salary. You should really start a bank account." And it, and it was it was smart. It was super smart. So from almost from day one, we've always been W two, even though we're the owners. And what'll ha- and here's why it's so like Alex said for a loan, it's so important. We would not have been able to build um, the tiny house, the first tiny house, if we didn't if we weren't able to take out a loan. We actually took out a loan even before that to just pay off the credit card. So we started establishing business credit. And so we had to personally guarantee that. And what a bank wants to see, no offense to bankers, but they're uncreative and they need to just get things filled in the blank. So if their head explodes, if they don't see W2. So when then then when Alex and I went to go buy a house, buy individual houses, and we bought them within a week of each other, it was just not a problem because we had all that W two work. Even though we are, are we're owners, what they don't like is they don't like if you're an owner and you just take these bonuses because you're not showing a steady stream of income, you're not showing like stability and everything like that. The other thing that the bank is going to tell you too when you go in to start your first business account is they're going to ask for an EIN, and that is uh, a number a tax a tax ID number for your corporation. So that's the other thing you can do. But again, please don't be intimidated by all that stuff. There are there's so many resources on the web for you to just look up the differences between the X-Corps. Um, most, most states, you can just register everything online. And then the same thing with the EIN. Those forms are for free through your tax dollars, and you can just set them up and do it. We, we start businesses in less than an hour. Yep. The other thing is, uh, shout out to my mom and shout out to, um, uh, who else? Gail, my aunt. Um, because then it's, it's, how do you pay yourself? Like it, once you put that money in the bank account, then you just don't physically take it out. You have to pay taxes and through, through, a, through a payroll. And I think the first month or two, I tried to do that myself. And then I got very annoyed at it and then realized that there was a service ADP, which is $23 a month. Um, and they will do all of that for you. So then all of our taxes are made. All of our W-2s are sent. I don't have to prepare that. I don't have to know about all this nonsense. I don't know how much to go to social security because I remember those first couple months. It's like, wait, how much do we have to pay and send to where, and where does that check go? People do it. I think, I think Gail, my aunt, she does it. And you know, she probably smarter or just knows, knows the, the, the system, but you can pay just 23 bucks a month or whatever it is. And then, and then everything like what Lance is getting to looks legit because you are becoming legit. Yeah. And our, the, the biggest purchase that I'm most proud of recently is Alex and I are, are under contract, um, for about a, a, a piece of land to do a, a development so we can finally actually become developers. And again, I don't think we, if we wouldn't have had that track record of a steady salary for almost eight years now at F9, I think it would have been awfully difficult to, yep. to get it done. So circling back to the beginning is once we decided who we wanted to go after and we knew that we needed to do a lot of small projects, uh, then we had to develop a system for it. So Lance already made all this furniture and all this component components before he even started the firm. Then we needed to make a template so that when we did all these additions, we could produce them fast. So like we would set up all of our sheets, we would set up all of our views, we'd set up all of our schedules. And that's kind of over the years, uh, what has turned into what Revit furniture is. So it's not only, I guess my po- the point that I'm making is that the things that you do for yourself or for your business, you can double down and maybe sell to other people. There's always something you can build off even if it isn't financially successful right away. Exactly, exactly. So circling way back, let's talk about the first foundation of work that, that we got at F9 and really the found, I mean, it's still a huge part of what we do every day. 
Um, and that and that's building information modeling with with this piece of software that Alex is talking about, Revit. Revit um, and then we traded Revit Furniture. So I was doing all that freelance modeling, got noticed by uh, TurboSquid.com, one of the talent developers over there. And they they ended up saying, hey, how, how many how many models are you going to put up? And, you know, I had like a crazy number in my head of like 5,000 or something. Yep. So from a, from about September when I started putting up those ads until December, I had been in negotiations with them to start doing modeling for building product manufacturers. So what they did is they they started working with um, Sumex Design, which works with ArcCat. Uh, so can't say enough about Sumex Design. They've been they've been a business um, ally of ours since the beginning. Uh, huge shout out to Robert Wag- Wagant. Uh, awesome, awesome guy, great mentor. He's, he is also part of the reason why we, we developed in a volume base. I, you know, he saw the writing on the wall about competing with the other build, BIM, BIM developers. And he's always, he's always, you know, kind of beat it into my head. Like if you can, if you can still make just as much money per hour as the other guys by setting up a system and, but do, but do more volume than them, then you've got them beat. There's no way, there's no way they can compete with you at that point. So that's also where, where this where this where this comes down to. So so we ended up finally just working with Sumex slash Arcat. And what we do is we they go after the biggest building product manufacturers in the world, you know, Pella, Marvin Windows, um, you name them, all kinds of name drops, and we put all of their products into Revit. To this day. It's a large part of our to firm. this day. There's 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 um, there's basically th- three people in our firm that, that work on those projects um, off and on, you know, every, every other week. Yeah. So that's it. So, well, is that it with everything? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, no. The, the, so, so we, so th- that because we had that foundation, and that kind of leads back to Alex's like Julie Snow story about he had that, she had that one big client to work from from there. If you have the idea is you know that's one leg, that's one leg of F nine starting out, and then from there we started to go to the other legs and started to branch out to okay, can we start doing can we start doing uh, little remodels and then can we start Doing residential, residential, and getting with, um, teaming up with uh, with developers to try to be their architects and, and stuff like that. Um, and so that's is is I think in summation, my my what I've always thought is, and I was even telling my son this the other night because I'm trying to encourage him and his stepbrother to start their own business. We want to call it we want to call it um, uh, stepbrothers lawn services or something like that. Oh, I thought it was two boys in a, in a, in a shovel or two boys, two, in a, two boys, boys in a, in a mower, so, yeah. something like that. So if yeah. anybody actually has another idea, I would love to hear it. So it's basically going to be two 12 year old boys. I want them to literally do what we, I did start a Craigslist ad, make a little flyer. And they're going to, they're going to go from the ground up and try to get clients in Longmont. And I, my idea was, uh, because I am flexible on the bot, when I'm one of the co-owners that I can take them to their job site in the morning, that drop them off at this house. They go mow a lawn, they pick them up, and they go home for lunch. They're only 12. They don't need to work half the day or something like that. Exactly. But what was crazy about when I was telling Kyler about this is he's like, he's worried about failing. And so he, he was held back from just jumping in on the, the idea with me. So I've been trying to get it across to him, and, and now you guys is. I think, I think where it comes is you just have to leap. Alex and I didn't have a lawyer when we started this and for better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, we dodged a few bullets that we're actually going to talk about in a, in a future episode or two Yep, or three. We didn't have an accountant. Um, we just had ourselves and we had our brains and some willpower. Yeah. So I guess if you're going to take anything tangible from this today, um, start with something, you know, 
we knew architecture, we knew building, we knew construction. So maybe that's why we weren't too afraid of the leap. T take something you know and either make a Craigslist ad advertising it or start doing that and put it on a blog, put it on a website, put it on somewhere that, you know, so someone can see it. And be consistent. So I would say maybe if, if you are afraid, you just do it and start putting it on the web. If you're less afraid, make an ad and, and go for it and see, see what happens. And what is the worst that can happen, right? You fail and then you either get back up or you just move on to something else. Yeah. But the start We'll tell you failure stories too. Yeah. We got, we got them. Plenty of them. There, there's no, I don't think there is, uh, like the startup cost for us. Well, we had to have an apartment uh, somewhere to, to start this thing. We ha we already talked about the small fees it is to start the LLC and all that stuff. Yep. The apartment, it was in, it was in my dining room. So that was already taken. And we care. had, a, and we had a computer. Um, so I know, you know, other businesses need a ton of equipment and stuff like that. But it, but if you're sort of where we're at with design and, and, and as far as, uh, Software, you know, a lot of things are based on the cloud. I, I say just you got to leap, you got to start, and if it, that start doesn't work, well, you see, you saw how easy it was to start a business. Just start another one. It's yeah, a, it's a new name. It's, it's not a big deal. Yep. I'll throw a cur curveball at you. So since that's the past, do you want to talk anything about uh, what's happening right now in the firm? The curveball that we've got thrown by the city for our new development project. Sure. Anything like that? Okay. So as you know, we're doing design build. Uh, we want to build. It's six apartments in one building, six townhomes, condos, multifamily. And then on the other building, it's all on one lot, our new headquarters plus two more. Well, we just got the, the safety official, basically the fire marshal. He, he couldn't make it to the meeting. Um, that was last Wednesday. Two, two weeks ago almost, yeah. Yeah. He couldn't make it to the meeting. Um, so we didn't get to hear his comments. And then we got the comments back from the city and I was reading through it and we have a 24 foot drive aisle and they basically say 26. Okay. No big deal. So that's our alleyway that connects it. And they say it has to be 15 feet away from the building. So our site is not that wide. If we have to go 15 feet away from the building on either side, we're basically have to eliminate one whole building, which kind of makes it uneconomical. So, we literally have to go back, set up a meeting with the fire marshal. Um, and the rule is why we have to do that is because we're over 30 feet with three stories. Um, and the only thing that's over 30 feet is, is a parapet. So now we're going to see if we can do some landings like we've done in Lakewood so that the fire official can get up there um, and go more easily. What will also help us, Lance? So on this, we're going to have from the third floor up to the rooftop there's going to be a rooftop deck there's basically going to be an outdoor stair and i think that will help them too because if you're on the front you could just go to that yeah one and then run up the stair and it's outdoor so that's a good point too yeah yeah let's, let's not make that glass so their ladders shatter it <laughs> <laughs> so that's the big stuff that's the big stuff we got going on and uh i think one thing that i wanted to start doing at, at the end of every podcast unless you have anything else to say i, I do i do uh Please contact us with any questions you have, anything you want us to talk about, anything you want us to bring up, uh, akg at f9productions.com. Or, or lmc at f9productions.com. Yep. Uh, email us your questions. Uh, we're also, follow us on Facebook if you're not following us on Facebook. Uh, so facebook.com forward slash inside the firm. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. If you are a listener, if you've liked at least one or two episodes, but we only have two, 
Please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps boost everything. We're also on Stitcher. You can, you can Google us and find us there. Uh, so last thing, I, I'd like to leave everybody with a quote for the weekend to ponder. Um, and it's by uh, John D. Rockefeller. So don't be afraid to give up the good and go for the great. Love it. Talk to you later. See you later.